We welcome those of you joining us from downstairs in our traditional sanctuary, those of you online streaming or listening to the podcast. And again, good morning to all of you here in our modern sanctuary. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. We are starting a new sermon series called Wisdom. We're going to be talking a lot about what wisdom looks like and how we can discern that in our lives in the world today. So again, glad that you're all here to start this new series together. Well, anybody have children or grandchildren start school this past week? Anybody? Nobody? Somebody? Yeah, all right. How'd it go? I hope it was a good week for everybody. That's been good. I've got two boys who are in school. I had one who's a, I have one who's a sophomore in high school. He started this week, and I have a younger son who's in the sixth grade. Uh, he's in a year-round school, so this is his sixth week of school. So it's like old hat for him. And uh, so um, I'm sure coming pretty soon in my life, maybe your life, I'm going to get the question of why do we have to go to school, Dad? Uh, all this stuff that we're learning, I'm never going to use that, the quadratic equation, the square root of pi, like, you know, how to buy, factor your binomial, whatever that is. You know, how do you use this in everyday life? And so uh, I've been in this round with my boys before. And, of course, uh, try to remind them there's a lot of good things about school, uh, that there's a breadth of knowledge that we're all supposed to understand as good citizens in America, uh, from math to science to social studies to English, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and also, when you're exposed to a lot of different things, you might discover something that you like that you would not have known about. Maybe you do want to um, major one day in physics or French or something that you might not have given the time of day if you weren't forced to do that in school. Uh, school also teaches us how to learn. Like when you get out of school uh, and you apply for a job, they want to know that you know how to learn because they're going to teach you new things that you probably didn't learn in school, but you need to have the ability to learn new things and process them. There's a lot of things about how to learn how to live and work with other people, like socially, to get along with people that you like and to get along with people that you don't like. Uh, you're going to learn in school that sometimes life's not fair, but you've got to suck it up and deal with it anyway. Right? So there are a lot of lessons in school, how to deal with authority, even when authority might not make sense to you. And hopefully in school, hopefully in school, some way, somehow, one of your teachers or administrators is also going to teach you more than just information but how to process that information and how to have wisdom in your life. And so uh, over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be looking at what is wisdom and what does that look like in our own lives and where do we find wisdom in our lives. So those of you who might be wrestling with people with school stuff, maybe they can tune into this and we'll help them some with that as well. So today, let's just ask the question, what is wisdom? Looked it up on the internet, did a Google search, and found this cool little pyramid here. So there's a difference between data, information, knowledge, and wisdom, right? So data is just simple facts, right? The sky is blue, one plus one is two. Those are data nuggets. When you begin to weave them together, you get information. The sky is blue, one and one is two, right? You start to find some kind of connections. I don't know that that has a connection, but some things do. Right? And once you make connections uh, between two or three uh, sets of information, then you can have knowledge. Knowledge of how to drive the car, how to get the car out of the garage, how to take the car to a mechanic if it breaks down. Right? So we have data, information, and knowledge. But then the question becomes, what do we do with all of this stuff? How do we apply it to our lives? And that's what wisdom is. It's how to apply data, information, 
and knowledge, right? Data, information, and knowledge. We know that there are atoms in the universe that make up everything, these little microscopic things that we can't see. We now know that we can split those atoms open and create a lot of energy, nuclear energy. Uh, we can make uh, nuclear reactors. We can make nuclear bombs, right? So we have the information. We have the data. The question is, should we do that? And if we do that, how do we use that power, right? So there's wisdom which shows us how to use the data, the information, and the knowledge. Um, so how do we then use our minds to kind of process the data, the knowledge, the information? Where does wisdom come from? Because we have a lot of different competing voices that try to tell us how to be wise. We have our families. We have our society, right? We have celebrities. Uh, we have politicians. We have artists. Um, we have movies. We have, uh, obviously, again, again, we have families, we have libraries, we have the internet, uh, we have loud voices, right? A lot of people listen to the loud voices. We have easy choices. Sometimes we just do the easiest thing because it's the path of least resistance. So what do you turn to in your life for wisdom? What does that look like? Billy Graham, the famous evangelist and theologian and, and preacher and pastor, said that that knowledge is horizontal, right? We get knowledge from the world, we get knowledge from each other, but that wisdom is vertical, that it comes to us from God. God hands down wisdom, right? So we pick up knowledge from the world, and then God helps us view that through a lens that helps us live our lives, right? Uh, in the Bible, there's a word for wisdom, a Hebrew word in the Old Testament, which means a skill in living, that wisdom helps us to be skilled in our living to take the data, to take the information, to take the knowledge and apply it in a way that we can live our lives, right? And so we're going to be looking a lot at the Bible and what God teaches us as a way to filter information to try to find wisdom, to be skilled in living, right? Uh, I want to also recommend another book to you. Uh, well, actually, let's just jump into the Bible here. Uh, Proverbs 4, 7 says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, right? So Proverbs is, in the Old Testament, it's known as a book of wisdom, and it says that wisdom is the one thing, right? So get wisdom. How do we get wisdom? The New Testament tells us this, James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives us generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you, right? So wisdom is something we should seek. If we want wisdom, we should ask God for it, and God will give us wisdom. So that's encouraging, okay? That's encouraging. We're going to dig into the Bible. Uh, here's another little book that kind of inspired me uh, to do this series. It's called The Little Red Book of Wisdom by a guy named Mark DeMoss. Uh, one of our church members actually gave me that book, and it's really cool. We're going to talk a little bit about this. But Mark DeMoss has done something in his life. He reads one chapter out of the book of Proverbs every day uh, for most of his life, right? So Proverbs is a book of biblical wisdom. He reads a chapter a day for his whole life. He's been through the book a bunch of times. And so uh, I think it's really cool that we go to the Bible for wisdom. So this is a series about wisdom, how to have skill in living our life, how to process data, information, and knowledge through the lens of Scripture, looking to God for the ultimate wisdom. So we'll be looking at different ideas of wisdom, right? So let's switch gears today. That's for the series. But today we're going to look at one specific type of wisdom. Um, and so uh, we'll think about that today. So uh, again, my youngest son uh, started school about six weeks ago, and first week of school, you know, you, you, get your, you get your teachers, you get all your assignments, syllabus, all that kind of stuff, and I had an important question that I needed to ask 
of uh, the school, and so I knew it would be kind of chaotic and all that kind of stuff. So I emailed the right administrator that I needed this information from. Said, I know you're taking a million questions this this week, and here's another one. Thanks for considering. I know you can't get back to me soon, but it, you know, if you just let me know what you think about this. And so the administrator wrote me back. Said, Oh, sure, Mr. Thompson, no problem. I'll get back to you by the end of the week. Well, the end of the week came, and the administrator did not get back to me. So I'm like, you know, give them a break. It's crazy. Like the first week of school was nuts. And so, so early in the second week of school, I just sent a nice email. said, hey, it's Mr. Thompson again. Just remind you, I had this quick question. Can you help me with that? And uh, crickets, nothing, right? So second week goes by, nothing's going on. So the third week, call school, got the direct line. Of course, got the voicemail, left a nice message, trying to remember. And I'm not just an irate parent. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a pastor. <laughs> you know, you, go, you get more with honey than you do vinegar, you know, that kind of stuff. So I was like, hey, just hey, it's Mr. Thompson again. Just remember, uh, you know, I emailed you, called you, or, uh, ah, emailed you a couple times, talked to you. I still haven't heard from you, so I left that voicemail, right? So that's the third week. Nothing, <laughs> right? So my son's school is proud of being a school of character, and there's like seven different actually nine different character traits that they really promote. And one of the, the character traits is respect. So I'm thinking, if this guy ever calls me back, I'm going to say, is this a respectful way to teach your kids uh, about respect? One, one of the other uh, character traits is persistence. And I'm like, I've got a lot of that, buddy. So I'm going to keep coming at you until you answer my question. Well, soon after I left in the voicemail, uh, in the third week, he called me back and he said, Mr. Thompson, I owe you an apology. Uh, he said, I'm sorry. I got lost in the shuffle, and you deserve better than this. You know, and, you know, I was ready to say, hey, well, where's the respect, and where's the persistence, and, you know, I'm going to go up to your, you know, your uh, supervisor and talk to them, but, like he, like, he just, like, disarmed me, you know, and it was genuine. He, he was sorry. It was just busy week, you know, and I just, it just disarmed me. I'm like, it's okay. No problem. I understand that. Here's my question. Can you help me? And he could help me got it all settled, and that was the end of it. But, you know, what it really reminded me of is the power of owning our mistakes. The power of saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I messed up, will you forgive me for that? And that was a very strong thing that came through, through this message. And so I think he was sincere in that, he was genuine in that, but he also just disarmed me, and now, you know, it's all cool. It's all good, right? So, and the Bible backs this up. Look at this in Proverbs twenty-eight, thirteen: Whoever conceals their sins, right? Sin means to miss the mark, to make a mistake, do the wrong thing. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, doesn't go well for us. But the one who confesses, right, says, I'm sorry, and renounces them finds mercy, right? Confess means I'm sorry. Renounces says I don't want to do that again, right? So whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy, right? So translation, that Bible verse says it's important to acknowledge when we were wrong, to say I'm sorry, right? And with no conditions, with nothing added onto it. Like if the administrator had called me and said, Mr. Thompson, I'm sorry if I offended you, I would have been really offended, right? Because that's not an apology, right? If there's a qualifying statement to an apology, it's not an apology, right? It's not like if something happens, right? An apology is I'm sorry, period. Not if I hurt you or if I offended you, right? So, Right? There's no qualifications to an apology. It's just owning it. 
I made a mistake. I messed up. I'm sorry, right? And so that's what he did. And I think that's what Scripture says to us, just to own that. And this is why it's important. Look at this. We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge, right? What's an apology, right? We're apologizing that something's broken in the relationship, right? Something needs to be healed. It could be minor, like this thing with with the administrator, or it could be something deep, like between you and your best friend, your spouse, right? Somebody at work, um, maybe with your child, your grandchild. We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge. Will you say that with me? Let's read that together. We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge, right? That's true in a lot of ways, right? That's true physically, right? If we're physically sick and we don't go to a doctor to find out what's going on, we can't heal that, right? Uh, My wife, Laura, and I have a family member who's been sick for a long time, physically sick, scared to death to go to the doctor, has got sicker and sicker, finally went to the doctor, and it's too late. We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge. That's true of us physically, but it's also true of us relationally. If there's something going on between you and someone where things have been broken down, right, that situation is not going to get better until we acknowledge, hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. Our relationship is, is facing some stress. We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge. Because if we just pave over it, right, that resentment's going to be there. It's going to build and build and build. And one day you're going to blow up and scream at somebody, or you're going to be passive-aggressive and sabotage things that are going on, right? We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge. The Bible says it's important for us to say, I'm sorry, to renounce it, and to move forward. So today in your life, is there someone, maybe it's a person, maybe it's God, that you might owe an apology, a direct, straight-up apology? Hey, I'm sorry, I blew it, I dropped the ball, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And how can we make this right? How can we move forward? Right? That's what the Bible's all about. That's what Jesus is all about. It's reconciliation. It's bringing people back together who are in brokenness. Broken relationships with God. Broken relationships with each other. That's why Jesus came to the earth and died on a cross and, and came back to life. So that you and I can be forgiven when we mess up. So that we can be reconciled to God. We can be reconciled to people. Right? It's important to acknowledge what needs to be healed, right? To say, I'm sorry. But it's also important to do more than just give it lip service, right? Saying I'm sorry is very difficult. But if we don't show it in the way that we act, then those words become hollow and they become empty and no one's going to believe that we're sorry. Right? Let's look at another passage of Scripture. This is in Matthew. This is the, these are the words of Jesus Uh, And he's talking to to people, and they're getting ready to go worship God, and this is what he says. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you come to worship on Sunday, you want to give God your gift of music or whatever it is that you have to offer. They they offered back then sacrificial animals. We don't do that, thank goodness. But if you have your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, something that needs to be healed, something that needs to be acknowledged, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Don't even try to worship me yet, God says. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. For God, it's very important that our relationships are as healthy as they can be. And if there's something broken, if there's something that needs to be healed, that we do what we can possibly do to repair the relationship. To go to that person and say, I'm sorry, this is broken, how can we fix this? 
right? And I think it's more, again, than just words. I think we have to look at how we can do something about it, right? If we're truly sorry, what are some of the things we can do? Well, one thing would be is whatever we did wrong, don't do it again, right? Honey, I'm so sorry that I, I, I used cuss words against you tonight, right? And then the next day, if you start cussing them out again, are you sorry about that? I don't, I don't know about that, right? So to stop doing the things that we're saying that we're sorry for, right? In the Bible, Jesus meets a man named Zacchaeus who is a tax collector. This is his first century Israel. Tax collectors were hated even more than they're hated here, right? And so because they were super corrupt, and Zacchaeus had stolen lots of money from people. He would just add on taxes to people just to pad his own uh, accounts and his bank and stuff. And so he met Jesus. Jesus changed his life, and he wanted to start fresh. And so what Zacchaeus did was he said, I am going to give half of everything that I own, all of my wealth, to the poor. And he did that. And then he said, to everyone that I've cheated out of their money, I'm going to pay them back, not just what I stole from them, but four times what I have taken from them. So Zacchaeus wasn't just sorry in what he said, he was sorry in what he did. There's a word for this, it's called penance. It's a form of apology. There is an oral apology to say, I'm sorry, and that's very hard to do. It's very hard for us to say those words, I'm sorry. But it's also important for us to do something that shows that we're sorry. Right? Stop doing the offending uh, action. Right? Do like Zacchaeus. Right? Make up for what you've done. Right? It's important for us to show that we're sorry. Now, when we are sorry to God, when we, when we do wrong things against God and against Jesus, we, we obviously want to confess those. Uh, and, you know, how do, we, how do we show penance for that? How do we, how do, we do that? Maybe we, we pray or we read Scripture. But I just want you to be clear that we don't earn God's forgiveness. We can't earn our way into heaven, right? That's a gift to us from Jesus. Jesus died on a cross. We, we need to believe in that. We need to accept that. We need to turn to that. Right? We're not going to earn God's forgiveness. Right? God's going to forgive us if our hearts are right. Uh, but it's important for us not to just give God lip service. Right, God, I'm sorry. You know, I, I should be more caring in my life. But if if we then say that to God and then we go back and we're not caring to people, are we really sorry? Do you see the difference there? Right, it's important for us to be genuine in what we say, genuine in what we do. We're not saved by our actions, but our actions should be genuine and follow our words. I hope that's making sense. Right, so we're talking about following God, uh, being sorry when we make a mistake, and trying to make things right. Now, ultimately, Jesus makes things right for us on the cross. He defeats sin and death and hell and guilt and shame. We can't do that for ourselves. That's a gift to us. Right? But in our relationships with each other, when we mess up, it's important for us to strive for that reconciliation. I'm sorry with my words. I'm sorry with my actions. That's good, solid, biblical uh, information. Right. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? Let's take away. We've looked at it already. We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge. Just say that one more time with me. We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge. Okay. So a couple of action steps to consider today. One would be say, I'm sorry. Is there someone in your life right now that things are not going well, where you've done something wrong and you haven't said the words, I'm sorry. Maybe today's the day you need to think about how to do that. Right? Maybe today's the day that you think about who are those people in my life who I have wronged and offended 
and I need to go and man up, woman up, and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Right? And then the second action step is show them I'm sorry. Right? If you're sorry, then stop doing what it is that you've offended them with. And maybe you need some help with that. Right? Maybe you need some help with that. Right? Maybe you've done something wrong to somebody. Maybe it's like, you know, honey, I'm sorry that we're not spending enough quality time together. Spend the quality time together. Right? That's what penance is. That's what it is to make things right, to reconcile. Right? Whatever it is that's broken, see what you can do to repair that. Now, what's cool about today is that we're going to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. Right? We're going to eat some bread. We're going to drink some grape juice, all that kind of stuff. And what it symbolizes is that Jesus came in this world to repair relationships, to repair relationships between us and God, to repair relationships between each other, right? And so for those of you in our traditional sanctuary, you've already had communion day and how awesome it is. And and you've already had a chance to ask for forgiveness and to think about who it is that you need to be reconciled with. And so as you get ready to have your closing hymn, I would just invite you to think about who in your life, right, might need to have a phone call from you or a sit-down conversation, right, to take it to the next step, to say, I'm sorry, and to show them that you're sorry, flowing out of this great gift of Holy Communion. To those of you who are in our modern sanctuary, those of you watching online, we're getting ready to receive communion, and I just would invite you to think about what's broken in your life right now between you and God, right, and say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me and know that I love you. Or what's broken between you and someone else? To say, God, give me the strength to go to this person and say to them, I'm sorry. And show me how I can show them through my actions that I'm sorry. Maybe I need to spend more time with them. Maybe I need to be kinder to them. What does penance look like? What does a form of apology to another person look like? Right? That's the good news today. Is that when things are broken, God helps us repair them. Right? Between us and God. Between us and each other. And Holy Communion is a way for us to open ourselves to God's power and wisdom to make this a reality. Think about this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We cannot heal what we do not acknowledge. What do you need to acknowledge to God and to others today? Amen.